Welcome to Sermons from Bailey Road. You are about to hear a sermon given at Bailey Road Baptist Church. Bailey Road is a small Bible-believing church located in North Jackson, Ohio, and is pastored by Pastor Aaron Smith. We are dedicated to serving the Lord through our people and through our teaching. We hope you are enlightened by today's message, and again, welcome to Bailey Road Baptist Church. Hebrews chapter number 11. Hebrews chapter number 11 is where we'll be this morning. As we have been here for several weeks going through and taking note of the great hall, uh, the great hall of believers from the Old Testament who have come before us and God is giving a record of their faith. Now I will tell you I struggled with a little bit of direction this week as we have uh, come all the way to the 33rd verse. And last week, we considered the faith of Samuel and the prophets, and uh, the weeks before that of David and Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, uh, and all those that have gone before us, starting uh, with the faith of, of Abel and going through week by week and, and coming to this. Now, I want to begin reading this morning in the 33rd verse. And we'll read some verses following, and we'll make a few comments, and we'll jump right into the message this morning. The Scripture says in verse number, uh, let's go back to verse 32 if we will. It says, And what shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon, and of Barak, and Samson, and of Jephthah, of David also, and Samuel, and of the prophets. And of the prophets, he's speaking in verse 33 and following, he says, "...who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with the sword, and they wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth, and these all having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. God, having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. So in this uh, direction of Hebrews chapter 11, as I uh, looked over and considered, I wanted to break down Uh, from phrase to phrase, and go through and explain in each moment. But I 
began to ponder on that a little bit and considered the intent of the writer of Hebrews, especially in chapter 11, as they did not uh, go into great detail as to who or whom they were speaking of in these great events throughout Scripture. And so, in order to try and honor the uh, as closely as possible, the intent of the writer of Hebrews. I, I want to take and kind of combine these verses this morning and consider the, uh, the summary of faith in action that is taking place here in these last uh, few seven, eight, nine verses here uh, in Hebrews chapter 11. And uh, in, in the coming weeks, we're going to uh, look at this uh, next week, we'll have our uh, children's program. I'm going to bring a special message uh, on faith concerning that and the faith of Christmas. And then uh, in the last week of the year, uh, we're going to close out this series uh, from Hebrews chapter 11. But uh, with that in mind this morning, we'll uh, pick up looking here in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 33 as we consider a summary of faith in action. And this should summarize really this whole chapter of what it is about and what faith is about and how we can use it in our lives for today. So let's pray together and we'll jump right into this together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your love. And Father, as we uh, come together for this time and we consider your word this morning, Father, you have given us multiple examples here in this wonderful chapter of faith. Faith from those that uh, never held a complete copy of your word. Those that never heard the name Jesus Christ. They never saw or heard your plan of redemption for mankind. And yet, Father, even still, they chose to follow you by faith. And so, Father, this morning as we consider that, and we do consider the finished work of your Son, Jesus Christ, that we have decided to place our faith and hope and trust in, God, I, I can't help but think about how much more accountable that we will be in our faith to you because we have held and read and seeing your completed word. We do understand your call of redemption for mankind. We have heard the wonderful name of your Son, Jesus Christ, that we speak often. And so, Father, I pray this morning as we bring a, a, a summary of faith, that you would help us to understand its action upon our lives. And how we must, in action, respond to your prompting as we move through this life as Christians. Father, help us in this. Guide us, direct us, give us clarity of thought here this morning. I pray that you would remove any distractions of heart or mind that we might focus our attention upon you and your word this day. Move within our midst, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Well, I want you to see as we go through this, of course, that 
in many of these examples that the writer of Hebrews gives in these last few verses, it was uh, really somewhat difficult to uh, locate and find because uh, many of these examples applied to uh, multiple different prophets that had similar experiences uh, within this. And as I started to uh, ponder upon, I know the writer said that time would not allow, and, and I started thinking about time. But, but then I started thinking about also the, uh, the examples that were given here, starting in verse number 33, as prophets who subdued kingdoms as they wrought righteousness and obtained promises and stopped the mouths of lions and quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, and out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to the flight of the armies of the aliens, as women received their dead raised to life, others who were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection, it says. Others who had trial of, of cruel mockings and scourgings, and yea, moreover, bonds of imprisonment, thinking of Jeremiah there, as they were stoned and sawn asunder, or torn apart, if you will, as they were tempted and slain with the sword, as they wandered in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute and afflicted and tormented. And then as the Scripture says, of whom... The world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains, in dens and caves of the earth. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, they were well liked and well known. But they received not the promise. But notice this in verse 40. It says, God, having provided some better thing for us, that they without should not be made perfect. It was in this that I came to realize in verse number 40, as it says, God having provided some better thing for us. What was this all about? Again, we could give names and, uh, to these events that God uh, says that these prophets went through by faith. We could go back through and go through the events, recount them and recall them. But in that, and I hope you have realized this throughout this entire series, that the faith that these individuals had, whether it be Abel or Enoch or Noah or Abraham or Sarah or Joseph or, or, uh, or Jacob or Moses, the story of faith always rests and hinges upon one thing, one individual, and that's God. This entire chapter would not be possible if there was not an object or a person in whom these individuals could place their hope, their faith, and their trust in. It was God who had provided some better thing for us. And this morning as I give you this summary of the remainder of this chapter, I want you and I beg you, implore you, to focus upon God this day. For it is not these individual actions or these individual people that made the difference without God. Because it was God. 
And it is in God that you and I must also place our trust. And so I want you to see, first of all this morning, the actions of faith. The actions of faith. Because within that, we do see that each one had an action that had to be placed. And that is one thing that I want you to recognize this morning when it comes to your faith and my faith today is that there will always be an action required. There will always be an action required when it comes to our faith. In each example of faith that is given here, we have to recognize first that God led. God led. Whether again it was through the uh, subduing of a kingdom or whether it was the stopping of the mouths of lions, God was the instrument that was needed in each and every one of these cases. God led, but then in that, I want you to also notice that these people followed. As we've gone through, uh, throughout the entire book, or throughout the entire chapter, rather, of Hebrews chapter 11, we have seen people acting upon what God has led them to do. Now, in this, and in each case here, you can see that if we were faced with some of these same things, and even as we face faith today, we are sometimes paralyzed. We're paralyzed in our faith, meaning when it comes to faith that we stop in our tracks, cannot move forward, or maybe more uh, appropriately to say we will not move forward, but yet faith always requires an action. Now in this, and in each and every case throughout this wonderful chapter, we have seen that the actions of faith often defied logic, didn't it? Usually when it comes to faith, faith is rarely logical. What I mean by that is faith rarely seems to make sense. It's when it comes to steps of faith that if it simply made sense, we would probably find an easier time to do it. But logically, faith usually does not apply. You think about subduing kingdoms, and I think about some of those that had the opportunity to do so. When I think about even Israel as they crossed over the Red Sea, and in that moment as the sea fell upon Pharaoh's army, it wasn't Israel, it was God. As I consider as they crossed over the Jordan River and began to go into the land that God had promised and God said, you're going to have to work for it. As they by faith stepped into the Jordan River and then as that river parted and they crossed through on dry ground once again. They had to by faith. But then in that moment they had to subdue some kingdoms. And if you would have taken odds upon which army would have won, well, not too many people would have put a bet on Israel. As a matter of fact, they didn't really have much of an army or much of a defense outside of God. But they had faith. They had faith in a God who was capable. 
And time and time and time again, we see the armies of God defeating armies that were undefeatable. And it didn't make much logic to go through that. And while faith often defies the logical, we also see through many of these events that faith often denies the impossible. Faith denies the impossible. I, I, I think about the verse here that says that uh, they obtained promises and stopped the mouths of lions in verse 33. I think about the king of Babylon who decided to throw Daniel into a den of hungry lions. Didn't feed him much, except when someone needed to be fed to them. They'd prepared these lions to simply eat and destroy whatever came into their den. They found Daniel to be in denial and in defeat. They said, you've got to go in. You've got to go in. And Daniel, by faith, said, God will deliver me. And we're talking about something impossible. I don't know about you, but I'm, I have no intentions of going into a, a den of lions, whether they've been fed or unfed. But Daniel gets tossed in. Nothing happens. Say impossible. No. Not impossible when it comes to faith. Not impossible, not just with faith, but not impossible when it comes to God. And faith often denies the impossible, but faith also often disregards the reasonable. The reasonable. Within this, as they subdued kingdoms, they quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword. Out of weakness were made strong, it says. They waxed valiant in flight. Women received their dead raised to life. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better, better resurrection. Others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover of bonds and imprisonment. I think of Jeremiah. Think of Jeremiah here as a faithful preacher and prophet of God, who God said from, from the womb, I've called you, Jeremiah, preach. God put a message in Jeremiah's mouth. He preached it. And the people said, eh. Eh. And God said, preach it again, Jeremiah. So he preached it again. And the people still said, So we don't want to hear that. We don't have time for that. And God said, Preach it again, Jeremiah. To which he did. Day after day, year after year, decade. After decade, God said, preach it again. What was the message? The message was simply, repent. 
of your evil ways, and God will deliver you. Don't repent, and God's going to destroy you. And people said, hasn't happened yet. I don't know about you, but I enjoy the opportunity to stand and preach different messages. But I wonder this morning if I were to preach the same message week in and week out. I mean the same message. The same way. How many of you are going to continue to come week after week, year after year? Eventually somebody's going to say, well, he always preaches the same message. Somebody else may say, well, I don't have to go this week because, well, I already know what he's going to say. I, I wouldn't think it would take a matter of weeks before at least one person would say that. Well, he preached the same message. It definitely wouldn't take 40 years. 40 years Jeremiah preached. And in that 40-year time period, he actually preached a little longer than 40 years, but in that 40-year time period, you know what happened to him? They mocked him. They beat him. At one point, they arrested him and threw him in jail. And said, this is against reason. We're tired of hearing this. At one point, Jeremiah said, this isn't worth it. He said, this isn't worth it at all. This is, and he didn't say these exact words, but in essence, he said, this is stupid. Why am I continuing to go through this? And he said, I'm done. I'm done. This is stupid. But then he said, then it was like a fire that stirred within me, that was shut up and burned within my bones, that I have to preach. Because God said, preach it again, Jeremiah. And He did. But yet, it disregarded the reasonable. A reasonable person doesn't say, preach the same message for 40 years. But faith does. There is always an action of faith. But I want you to see, secondly this morning, not just the actions of faith, but I want you to see the applications of faith. The applications of faith. I say that those that are willing to live a life by faith are considered by God to be very special people. I don't know if you saw this. Or not, but by the time we get to verse number 37, it says they were stoned, they were sawn asunder or torn apart, they were tempted and slain with the sword, they wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, and tormented. The faith life, if you just read these right here, the faith life does not seem to be too appealing, does it? And yet, in verse 38, the Bible says, of whom? The world was not worthy. He's talking about these prophets. He's talking about those that followed the action that God laid out by faith. And when faith is applied, I tell you, it'll take you to heights that you never could imagine. 
It'll take you to places that you could never imagine. But again, God said, oh, those people right there, they're special. So the world was not worthy. Not worthy. But yet they wandered in deserts, and in mountains, and in dens, and in caves of the earth. Someone once said that it is a law of absolute in all earthly relations that gain and loss go together. Gain and loss go together. Someone else once said, no pain, no gain. They went on to say that to reach a higher plane, one must leave behind the lower. Therefore, if faith puts us closer to God, it must also put us farther away from the world. Because gain always compensates for loss. Gain always compensates for loss. You see, we often consider, as we think about the action of faith, of what it's going to cost, what am I going to have to give up? But the application of faith says, whatever it is I have to give up, whatever I'm going to gain is going to be so much worth it. That is the application of faith. But let me give you number three this morning. As we consider what this chapter is all about. When we consider Hebrews chapter 11, we consider that really what is taking place here is God is giving us an appraisal of faith. An appraisal of faith. So we see the actions of faith, the applications of faith. We see the appraisal of faith. In verse number 40, the Bible says, God, having provided some better thing for us. Listen, there is a better thing. And God has provided it. Within this, we see that faith is valuable. God having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. Some better thing. What is that better thing. And I understand when we come to uh, the Bible and we see the, uh, the, the breakdown of it, of course we have individual verses within the paragraphs and the sentences and all of that, and then we find through in, throughout there uh, a, a chapter break. And in this chapter break, as it stops in verse number 40, the thought continues into chapter 12 where we find the Bible saying, Wherefore? Wherefore? Now, when we see a word like wherefore, we have to see why it's there. And when we continue from chapter 11, as he says, God having provided some better thing for us, that they without should not be made perfect, wherefore? Seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. 
looking unto Jesus. Do you see that? He says, God hath provided some better thing for us that they without us should not be made perfect. Wherefore? He says, notice you're being surrounded. There are those cheering you on. But he says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. This race of the Christian life that we have before us, let us run with patience, looking unto Jesus. Looking unto Jesus. What is better in our appraisal of faith when we consider what God did through the Old Testament? We see that. He says, but God hath given to us something better looking unto Jesus. The author and finisher of our faith. Who, for the joy that was set before Him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider Him that endured such contradiction of sinners against Himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Let me ask you something. Are you tired this morning? You say, the Christian life is difficult, preacher. It is. But I say to you, by faith, look to Jesus. The appraisal of faith this morning is the fact that faith is valuable, but God has provided something better for us in that we have the opportunity to look to Jesus, who is the author of our faith. Our faith began where Jesus saved us. But he didn't just start something. He's going to finish something. And it was Jesus who told us that with faith, we could move mountains. Consider that this morning. As you consider the appraisal of faith, being that there's some better thing, that faith is so valuable that with it, we can move mountains. But without it, we can barely move our own feet at times. You see, remember, with faith, we can move mountains, but without it, we get stalled. We get stopped. We get paralyzed. And we can barely make another step. But with faith, we can move a whole lot more than our feet. With faith, can I submit to you that it is so valuable that with faith, you and I can do the impossible through God? The impossible. Oh, by faith. But without it, we can live in fear of the unknown. You ever notice something that by faith, of course, there's always an unknown? You say, all right, I need to take a step forward. But I don't know what's going to happen when I make that step. Have you ever considered that in our fear of taking that next step, there's still an unknown? The unknown is this. What happens if we don't take the step? What happens if we don't move forward? But if God has called us to move forward... That's probably where we should go. 
even in our fear. Do you realize something? That when we don't because of fear, the fear does not just go away. It just becomes a different fear. But with faith, we can do the impossible. You see, faith is life-changing. Faith is life-changing. When we read through Hebrews chapter 11, we think of Abel. We consider Enoch and Noah and Abraham and Sarah and Moses and Jacob and Joseph. We consider Israel at Jericho. We think of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and David and Samuel. And we think of all the other prophets. That had faith. Every one of their lives was changed. And it wasn't just changed for a little. It was changed for a lot. Now in it, there were some lives that were taken. I mean, I think of Abel. Abel had faith. And he offered unto God a more perfect sacrifice. And that faith cost his life. But the Bible says that he, being dead, yet speaketh. In faith. Faith is life changing. There's always a gain to be made. You say, but he lost his life. Oh, he gained so much more in heaven. Don't consider what you might lose this morning. Consider what you might gain by faith. I ask you this morning, by way of closing, what are you doing with your faith? What are you doing with your faith? Are you taking action? Is it causing you to move? Are you applying it? Are you accepting the risks that God has placed before you that you would have not taken otherwise? Let me ask you something. How would you appraise faith in your life? How valuable is it? You have valuables in life that you've obtained. and I mean, I know you, you probably have something that you would say it's not for sale. It's not for sale. It's too valuable to me. Wouldn't sell it for anything. That ought to be our faith. How valuable is your faith to you? Look to Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. Let's bow for prayer, shall we?